morning, church family. Uh, my name is Caleb. I serve as one of the pastors here. And my name is Enrique, and I serve with our student ministry here. And today we're going to continue on in a series in the book of Exodus. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, but we're going to do it a little bit differently. Uh, one of our uh, primary values here at Desert Springs is not to just tell you what to think or to believe, but rather to equip you uh, to discern your own convictions by the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways that we uh, do that is by studying and engaging uh, the Bible together. We believe that uh, reading the Bible together as a bunch of misfits that we are with our different perspectives, backgrounds, and commitments and preferences uh, actually helps us to uh, open up uh, the word, but also to uh, inform one another, to sharpen one another, to encourage one another. And so what Enrique and I are going to do is something dude, that you've been doing with our student ministries That's already. Right. Tell us about that. What do you do with student ministry? Yeah, so as Caleb said, we believe that one of the best ways to study the Bible is to do it together. And so on uh, Sundays, our group meets, <clears throat> not in the summer, but outside of the summer. We've been meeting, and we've been doing just that. We've, we've gone to the book of Mark. We started the book of Acts. We're on pause right now. But our whole goal is to give students tools, and most, most of the time it's questions to kind of think through um, the text or chapter or whatever we're looking at um, that day. That's cool. And we actually have, uh, who likes bookmarks? We have a handy have bookmark hand. for you all. Uh, we've been, uh, we had these in your handouts, I think, for the last couple of weeks, but if you didn't get a chance to get one, no problem. Uh, we've got them on the tables in the back as well as at the uh, info center in the lobby. And on this is a handful of questions that we have found to be helpful when studying any aspect, any part of the Bible together. And we're actually going to go through, as we go through Exodus chapter 3 today, this will be a group project for us. Uh, we're going to go through some of these questions. Enrique is going to help guide us through some of those questions. And so uh, for those of you that join us in person, if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn to Exodus 3. If you don't have one, that's no problem. We do have some available on the tables in the back. And also we have the text uh, printed in your bulletin today. So did you guys get a handout? Is, that, is it in there? Okay, I think it's Exodus 3. Yeah, so you guys should have it. And for those of you all joining us online, uh, if you have a print Bible, we'd encourage you to get that out. We're going to study, again, Exodus chapter 3. If you don't have a print Bible, just go open up a new browser and go to Bible.com, and we're using the Christian Standard uh, version of the Bible today, although whatever, standard, uh, whatever version you have is awesome too. So uh, we're going to kind of do a little back and forth. We want to include y'all in this, so uh, just be ready to be noticing things and maybe uh, talk back to us um, with respect. I know, you know, <laughs> Please. Enrique, Enrique is, uh, his, he's got <laughs> nerves of steel. I am a tender flower and do not respond well at all to criticism, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. How yeah. many times have you seen me crying in the office? A couple times. Yeah, yeah. a day. A day. Multiple times a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Enrique, why don't you go ahead and just take us through, um, and we'll just go through maybe verse 1 through 3, and, and yeah. we'll, we'll ask some of the questions. All right. So, you want to read through it first? Yeah, go ahead. All right. <clears throat> verse 1. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush, the bush was on fire, but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Okay, so I have some questions. Mm -hmm. um, even, for, even for those of us that have never read the Bible before, done any Bible study, man, I'm so glad you're here. I just want to tell you, I know that sometimes it may feel a little scary going to the Bible, but even the most like, like experienced Bible studiers still think that there's a ton of weird stuff in the Bible. 
right? Yeah. For those of you that have maybe been studying the Bible for maybe more than two years, isn't it, isn't it sometimes hard? Can we just encourage yeah. those of us in the room who are like maybe newer to this? Like, is, is this sometimes weird? It's sometimes yeah. difficult to understand? Yeah, okay, so, so, well, so if you feel uh, strange out of place at the fact that a bush is on fire and talking to a man, <laughs> we all think it's strange. Like, we're all like, wait a minute, what's going on here? But there's, some, there's gifts here for us in the strangeness. And so maybe we can help each other uh, learn some of that together. So, Enrique, what are some of the things that, that just came to your mind as you yeah. were reading through that? Yeah, so the first question we always like to look at is what is happening in the text? Okay. And this is when we usually just observe. We point out maybe the people, places, things, what we see that's weird sometimes. And so the first thing here, we see that Moses is shepherding the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. Okay. Like that's, what he's, that's what he's doing in, in this area here. And, um, and did you guys notice where they are or where Moses is, like maybe in verse 1 or 2 there? Come on, talk to me now. Yeah, Midian, but then also like there's this really interesting location. Yeah, wilderness, and then what else? Horeb, okay, so does it give any interpretation of what Horeb is? Mountain of God, okay, so that's interesting. Yeah. That's a pretty legit title. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so what else do we notice? The angel of the Lord appears in a flame of fire within a bush. Cool. That's weird. Totally normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then it says that, that um, God called out from the bush. Okay, so Moses is like shepherding his father-in-law's flock. Yeah. From what we know from the context from the last couple of weeks too is that Moses likely has been here for about, um, he's probably 80 years old, at least in the, within the narrative, and he's probably been here for I think maybe 40 years. Mm -hmm. So he's been shepherding for a long time. He knows what desert bushes look like, right? Yeah. And this one's curious to him, it seems, yeah. because it's, it's on fire. It's on fire, but what's not happening? It's not being consumed. It's not burning yeah. up. Okay, so that's... Remarkable, right? In fact, Moses says, I must go over and look. He's like, yo, this is kind of interesting. I'm going to walk over there. Yeah. Um, real quick, um, in my Bible, it has the Lord capitalized. What's going yeah. on there? Okay, does anyone else have the Lord uh, like in all caps in your Bible? Okay, and maybe even the font might even be different. Okay, so this is where being an English speaker might, where, where it's a tool for English speakers. So I'm an English speaker and an English reader. And in, uh, in Hebrew, which is what your Old Testament was, uh, most of your Old Testament was written in, uh, this is likely the word Yahweh. Okay. Which, which means? Kind of, well, we're going to get to that. Okay, okay. Yeah, we're actually going to get to that. Um, and and it, it's, it's usually trying to tell you, uh, like in English, we only have like the one word God, like G-O-D. Mm -hmm. uh, but in Hebrew, they had multiple different names, and it usually teased out multiple different things. And that's a whole other conversation that's super fun. Uh, but we just want to notice that this is uh, like what we would refer to as God or, or what the text would refer to as Yahweh. So an angel of the Lord. And that word angel, how many of you guys like think about angels as like winged beings glowing white with like, <laughs> yeah? Okay, so just put that, erase that from your database. There's nothing in your Bible to suggest that that's what angels appear to be. In fact, the word angel, it just means messenger. Mm -hmm. And so it's a messenger of the Lord. But you'll notice, too, Enrique, who actually does the talking? It says that God does the talking. Yeah, so we've got this messenger of the yeah. Lord, but, but when Moses hears, he actually hears the voice of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what else is coming to your mind? Let's see. God calls out to Moses, and he says, here I am. Yeah. So Moses' response mm -hmm. to God calling out, God says, Moses, Moses, and then Moses talks back to a talking bush. <laughs> 
right? So Moses, at the very least, thinks that this is remarkable and curious. Yeah. He goes over to look at it, and then he hears. Notice, he, what is, okay, tell me this. What is he seeing? A burning bush. What is he hearing, though? He's hearing the voice of God. Okay, so that's note. So just notice seeing and hearing and how that will come up in the text. Okay, so uh, notice in verse 4, the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look. Do you see the, the sight language? But then God speaks to Moses. God speaks a word. And there's, there's something going on here in the text with seeing and hearing. So what else comes up? Let's see. What do you guys see? Tell me. What, what, what haven't we talked about yet? Here I am. Yeah. So Moses' response is, I'm right here. Right? Okay. And notice, too, this, what, what was happening to the bush? It was fire, fire. And this is an interesting theme. So when you go home and read through your whole Bible later today, you'll notice that there's a recurring theme of fire. That got, so check this out. And I know this is like super, super Bible nerdy, but... but <laughs> so, in the garden, when Adam and Eve get... We're just going to do a quick survey. When Adam and Eve are in the garden, they get removed from the garden, there is a flaming sword that stands between them and the garden. It's the, the, we're meant to understand the presence of God. Later in the narrative, in the story, you'll actually, God will reveal himself or his presence as a pillar of fire that will descend down onto the tabernacle and then eventually the temple. So you have this running theme of fire being uh, a signal of the direct presence of God. And then at Pentecost, which now in the book of Acts, when the spirit of God descends on his people, it's, represent, it's represented by little uh, uh, pillars, many pillars of fire over their heads. So God's direct presence is often uh, visualized with fire. So here you've got this fire uh, in the bush, and the bush is, or is not burning up, right? Yeah. And that actually answers the question, are there any references to other parts of Scripture? Oh, yeah. Right? Because we see in the New Testament as well, you have flames of fire above people's heads, like you said. Dude, uh, if you guys want to have a lot of fun, and I mean not actual fun, like <laughs> seminary fun, uh, Look at Ephesians, uh, excuse me, look at Exodus 1 through 3 and then read through the whole Bible. The rest of the biblical authors, are, they keep referencing back to this because this is a pivotal moment. I want you to see here in this narrative, this is a pivotal moment because in this moment you get the direct revelation of God's name. You get a human who dares to ask God's name and you get God answering. So, so Okay, but we're jumping ahead. Yeah, we got to read. We got to read that we part. Gotta, okay, so, do, so go to verse 5. Let's go through right. 5 and, uh, and 6. Here we go. It says, Do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Okay, so now, again, what are you, what are you guys noticing, right? Like the plot is thickening. What was... Um, what was happening? So there's this burning bush. Obviously, God is, do you think, uh, maybe it's not obvious. Do you think God set this bush aflame to invite Moses in? What do you guys think? Right? He's out wandering, uh, not wandering, he's out shepherding his flock. And then God does something to get Moses' attention, right? He says, come here. But then notice what he says. He says, come here, come here, come here, stop. <laughs> what does he say? Take your sandals off. And, and this is kind of strange. Yeah. But take your sandals off. Why? Because it is holy ground. You're on holy ground. So do you see that the direct presence of God is an invitation but also a caution? Mm -hmm. That you can't just be coming in here with all that business <laughs> on your feet, right? <laughs> you, 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 I want to be in relationship with you, I yeah. think he's saying. 
But, but first, you got to make sure that you're ready. Uh, it's kind of like, um, like, how many of you guys have been into outer space? You know how when you go into uh, outer space, you have to, like, put your suit on. Like, you have to prepare yourself because you just cannot, it's not, it's not necessarily good or bad. You just cannot stand. You cannot stand in the presence of outer space without being prepared, right? Right? And so it's like, okay, Moses, I want you to come in, but you got you to gotta check yourself <laughs> because I'm holy. That's right. Right? You guys see it? Okay, so let's keep going. What else, what else is coming to your mind as you're engaging in the text? He starts off by saying, I am the God of your father, your father. Oh, dude. So, pop quiz. Uh, Moses was born to what people group? His parents were of what people group? Hebrew. And then, because Pharaoh had ordered the... Uh, children to be... All the children of the Hebrews yeah. to be... Or the firstborn. firstborn the, yeah. the boys, excuse me, yeah. uh, to be killed. His mom hid him, and then Moses was adopted by Pharaoh. And so now Moses is... Egyptian, right? So Hebrew, and then who's his, who is Moses' dad? Okay, throughout the narrative so far, we have seen that Moses frequently reveals that he does not know himself. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what kind of people he is. He, he, his identity is, am I Hebrew? Am I Egyptian? A little bit later, we're going to see that he wonders, excuse me, previously he wonders, am I, am I a Midianite? Am I a Hebrew? Who's my dad? Who am I? Hmm? This is a recurring question, and notice what, uh, what, the, uh, what the angel or what God through the bush says. What does he say? He says, I am the God of your father. Okay, so now we're getting an identity marker, right? Mm-hmm. You guys see that? Yeah. What else is coming? And then we see a couple of names here, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yep. If you read your, your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, and actually the whole Bible, you'll, you'll see many people referencing or mentioning them throughout Scripture. That's right. But who are they? Yeah, so Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is like from Genesis chapter the end of 11 on, is the story of God's redeeming uh, purpose, that God's going to redeem humanity through a people that he's going to create. And he's going to start with Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob. So that's granddad, uh, dad, son, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And through their line, he would make a great nation, namely the nation of Israel, the, the people of Israel, the, the ethnos or yeah. ethnicity of Israel. And he's going to make them into a great nation. But this, at the time that this is happening, so one of the questions I think uh, was about um, uh, uh, how might the original hearers yeah. understand this. So just keep this in mind. For Moses, right, hearing uh, the, the God through the bush talking, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is ancient history. Yeah. It's hundreds of years in their background. And so the, the voice is reminding him, I'm the God of your father right? and also the God who's been at work for hundreds of years. You see the connection there? And for Moses, this would have been an important question, especially growing up in yeah. Egypt, because there were many gods. I mean, he had in his mind that there are many gods, so he wants to know, which one are you? Yeah. Right? Are you the sun god? Are you right, this kind of god, that kind of god? What kind of a god are you? Yeah. And again, Moses is asking this question from a place of uh, uncertainty about his own identity. And so uh, God answers him there. But what was Moses' response? What does he do in the text? He hides his face. He does notice the sight and the listening and the speaking. He does not want to be what? Does not want to be seen. Feels maybe exposed. Like this is a powerful moment, right? Mm -hmm. So he doesn't hide his face at at the initial speaking, but he hides his face when he learns to whom he is speaking. You got me? Again, there's an invitation to come in, and then there's a caution of the holiness. And I think in this moment Moses feels it. 
If you guys want to do something really fun, and I, by that again, seminary <laughs> fun, um, notice Moses' evolving relationship with God. Because eventually Moses will demand to see God face to face. But at least in this moment, because it, like in his relationship with God, he's just like, I don't know, man, you're just, like, hide my face. So let's keep going. All right. It says, and the Lord said, I have, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I, know, and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, the Hethites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So because the Israelites cry for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. That's so good. Yeah. Dude, I love the way that you just powered through those names. <laughs> right? Did you see the last Everyone one? Everyone else, they're, like, like, they're, they're looking like... at Amorites. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. he ain't going to get it. And then Perizzites, woo! Dude, you crushed it, bro. Thank you, man. And I haven't gone to seminary yet, so. That's right. <laughs> that doesn't mean we can't have seminary fun. Oh, there you go. Right? There okay. you go. There you go. All right. So notice the language. Okay, so notice the language. Okay, so I want, I want you guys to look at me, but I want you to listen to Enrique. So Enrique, would you please read just verses uh, 7 and 8? Okay, you guys okay. ready? Listen to the words, but look at me. Okay, go. go. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying, crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings, and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land. Did you guys see it? How, okay, let me ask you this question. How intimately involved is God with his people? Okay, watch this. Remember that this whole thing started, uh, this, this, this episode, excuse me, this episode began in the last chapter where God hears the cries of his people. And now, by the way, we have the first uh, time that God is actually speaking. This section right here is one of the longest, in, in the earliest part of Exodus, we're into the longest uh, narrative where God is speaking the most. So this is a powerful moment. And notice, God has, for, you guys follow with me, okay? So, so verse 7, then the Lord said, I have, what does it say? I have observed or seen the misery of my people. Whose people? My people. My people. Okay, note that. God says that the Israelites are whose? His people. Notice, what was Moses' job up, back up in verse 1? He was the shepherd of whose flock? His own or somebody else's? He was shepherding somebody else's flock. And now he's being called to shepherd someone else's flock. Do you see? Okay, so I have, God is speaking in verse 7. I have observed or seen the misery of my people. I have Heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I, okay, this is, you guys want to get weird? <laughs> sure, why not? Like, we have a choice. We're getting weird no matter what. Let's do it. Okay, so this language of knowing is also, uh, uh, it's, a, it's also a colloquialism for sex. Uh, deep intimacy, right? Truly knowing the other person, even in their most vulnerable and exposed state. And here you have Yahweh, What? intimately knowing of the suffering of his people. Is that a word for today? That God is intimately aware of our suffering. That he doesn't just 
cognitively know about it. He doesn't just visually observe it. He doesn't just audibly hear it. He knows. Hmm? Is that a word for today to those who are suffering? That God knows. And then notice uh, verse 8. I have come down to do what? about to have some fun? Thank you. <laughs> My man, right there, up top. What did we just observe Tabitha and Mercy do? Going down and coming, being brought up. Notice the story of Jesus. Is God doing what? And then going into the grave and then rising up and then Doing what? Bringing us with him. Why did Jesus come down? To raise up. Why, what is God doing here in Exodus 3? Coming down to do what? To raise up. Okay. Y'all, y'all, you, you ever heard this thing people say? This, this is crazy. Okay. They say things like, well, I like the God of the New Testament. Yep, but that. I don't like the God of the Old Testament. Yeah, he's kind of mean. He's kind of mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I, get, I get some of that, right? I mean, there's, and, and so some of this has to do with our cultural sensibilities and the fact that we're not ancient Hebrews. Yeah. But I would, just, I would just challenge anyone who's in that space. So I'm not trying to bust anybody's chops here, but, but just notice that there's the, there's the good news of redemption here, that God sees and hears and is intimately aware of the suffering of his people, and therefore he will descend to do what? To raise up. Hmm? Okay. Isn't this cool? Pretty cool? Yeah, that's cool, huh? Okay, so what are some of the other things that you notice? All right, so we see <clears throat> God take action, yeah. and then we see him say that he's going to bring them out of Egypt mm-hmm. because they're suffering, they're crying out, into a good and spacious land. And then he says, a land flowing with milk and honey. Yep. So I just want to stop there, like, like, was there milk, like, just raining from the clouds? Is there honey, like, you know, like, what's like going oozing, on here? Like yeah. oozing, like oozing river of honey? Is it literal, symbolic? What is going on here? Yeah. I think it's a symbol. Okay. Um, I, I think, I mean, what do you guys think? Is this symbolic, or do you think it actually is meant to be, like, a, a river of milk and honey? <laughs> Prob- you guys think symbol? Let's do, show of hands. You think this is symbolic? And then uh, literal. Oh, we got yeah, two. Jeff. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, they've seen okay. it. <laughs> you guys have been there, huh? Okay, so you've seen the promise. They've land. tasted okay. it. All right, seen. well, I, you know, okay. So I'm going to go with symbol, but I'm yeah. open to changing my mind. Yeah, and what would it symbolize? I, I think it symbolizes like an abundance. Okay. That God's not going to take his people out of uh, yeah. slavery, yeah. out of suffering, and then put them into yeah. uh, desert land. Yeah. Although there is this irony in the fact that that is kind of what happens. But what's interesting, if you guys know the rest of Exodus, um, they actually do, they wander around in the desert. But I think that the logic of the narrative is telling us that they're choosing to stay in the desert mm. by their continued rebellion and defiance against God. God's good purposes for his people is to lead them into an abundance. But because they keep giving God the finger, wanting to be their own God, they choose to stay in the desert. Yeah. Might, might that be a word yeah. for today? That's right. Another thing, to, um, important thing to know is he says spacious land. Yeah. And uh, that makes sense because the Israelites have grown mm-hmm. in numbers, yep. right? So it's, it's, not just this, it's not just, you know, Jacob and his, and his sons. It's, they've blown up. Yeah. It's huge. And it, you get this idea that they can, like, there's nothing that can stop God's purposes yeah. for them. 
He told them to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and it's happening. Yeah. Right? Like even Pharaoh can't stop. Even the mightiest empire can't stop yeah. God's plans. And what's yeah. interesting is that Canaanites, Hittites, it's like it's these people's land. He's <laughs> yeah. going to give them over to them. Yeah. And it's a lot of them. <laughs> so thus we come across an ethical dilemma. How will God do this work? And uh, we're not going to answer it today. We're just going to foreshadow it here. Uh, there's two things I want to invite you into. We're doing uh, these things called summer sessions, which are deep dives into one topic. Uh, we're looking at the majority of the scriptures that are relevant or that can shape our understanding. So we, we're going to do one on Tuesday on ethnicity in the Bible, specifically looking at the New Testament, but we'll also touch on the Older Testament here. And you'll just notice that the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, these are ethnos. These are people groups. So uh, the, there's ethnicity all over your Bible. In fact, you cannot understand your Bible without having a proper understanding of how the biblical authors use ethnicity. So that's this Tuesday at 6 o'clock. I'd love for you to join me. Uh, for this conversation and this study. And then coming up at a time that I cannot remember right now, uh, we're actually <laughs> going to do one on a lot of the messed up stuff in the Bible, at least stuff we think is messed up, like polygamy, genocide, stuff like that. So I invite you into that. Um, we're not ducking the conversation because it's hard. We love having hard conversations here at Desert Springs. Yep. It's just going to be a three-hour conversation, and you don't want to do that right now, do you? No, you don't. Okay, I know some people are like lunch. <laughs> I no. see no hands go. Nobody, nobody <laughs> raised their hand for the three-hour sermon. Okay, so uh, Enrique, yeah. I want to just notice something. Did you guys see um, verse 9? So because the Israelites cry for help has come out to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, therefore what? Go. Sh this is, if I wanted to, if I was thinking about what the, uh, the author, if the author was here, I'd want to ask them, Am I supposed to understand Moses as, as being surprised by this? Like, here's Moses, right? He's a shepherd out in the desert, okay? He's run to this land of Midian because he killed an Egyptian back in Egypt 40 years ago. That's why Moses is here. And here's this, 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 div, you know, this divine presence yeah. speaking to him, and, he's, and the divine presence is saying, I have heard, I have seen, I know, I'm, I'm your God. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you get this impression like Moses is like, cool, man, yeah, fix it, bro. Let's do this thing, right? Moses sees the problem, doesn't he? Moses sees the problem of the people being held captive. You know what Moses doesn't see coming? <laughs> Go, I am sending you. Bro, That's crazy. is that a word for today? Heck yeah. That sometimes God puts us in places where we see a problem and we say, God, would you do something about this? Show up, God. Show up, God. Yeah. And then we're shocked when we hear, go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I am sending you. Where is he? Look at this. is so <laughs> great. Look at verse 10. Where is he sending him? To Pharaoh. You know why Moses is here instead of back in Egypt? He killed a dude, yeah. and he was running for his life because Pharaoh wanted to kill him. Yeah. And where does God tell Moses to go back to? To go back. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes God calls us to places that we don't want to go. Yeah. Is that a word for today? Yeah. All right, let's keep going. Verse 11 says, but Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He answered, I will certainly be with you, and this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. 
When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. What's coming up as you read that? Moses is like, who, who am I? Like, whoa, like sending me? Why? Why should I go? Yeah. So he's like confused, mm-hmm. shocked. Yeah. How do you guys hear that question? Look, look again, verse 11. Moses asked God what? So what does that mean? Could it be I, I'm uncertain about my capacities? What else could it be? Trusting of God. What's that? Yeah, I can't do this. Why are you sending me back? Yeah, pick someone more qualified. Totally. But there's something else. Don't you know what I did back in Egypt? I'm a murderer. Don't you know who I am? But there's something even deeper. Who am I compared to you? What have we been noticing throughout the narrative about Moses' identity? Okay, oh, come on. I'm not going to preach. Come on. What, What has Moses been wrestling with up until this point in time? identities. Who am I? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm a, this is my opinion, mm-hmm. but there's a part of me that reads that as, who am I? Who am I? Yeah. Who am I? Tell me who I am. Now, watch this. How does God respond to that question? Watch it. Oh, man, this is so good. Verse 12. How does God answer the question, who am I? Verse 12, he answers what? I am. Come on. God answers Moses' question of identity. Who am I? He answers it in correlation to who God is. Watch this now. This, remember, we said this is a big deal. Yeah. We're going to get God's self-revealing of his name. And it's in this moment where Moses is saying, who am I? And notice that God does not say, you are Moses. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the question that Moses is asking is actually from inside of here. Who am I is either defined by what others say or by you, whoever you are. And notice what God says. I will certainly be with you. I will be with you is the answer that he gives to the who am I question. Because at the end of the day, who you are is in direct correlation to who I am, God says. Other people don't define you. Your circumstances, your murder, right, your ethnic identity, who your daddy is, all of that is secondary to who I am, God says. Hmm? Watch it now. We're going to get the proper name of God. All right, let's go. Let's go to... um, 13? Yeah, let's go to 13. says that then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they asked me, what is his name? What should I tell them? And then God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. So Moses is, so, so let's just think through. Okay, so what's going on here in the text? What did Moses ask? Who am I? And God says, 
I will be with you. I'll be with you. And then notice God's name. So, so <laughs> Moses is hiding his face from God, but notice that's not stopping him from arguing with God. <laughs> yeah. Moses will prove himself throughout the, the, re- the, the rest of the text to be one who is not bothered by arguing with God. And this argument is not questioning God in the sense of, uh, God, I doubt your power. Here's where Moses usually, as well as the rest, uh, many of the other biblical authors, they'll argue with God because they're trying to put together the different things that they know to be true about God. God, you say you're good and powerful, but this is happening. And so come on now. I'm going to argue with you about that. And I wonder if that might be a word for today. So, oh, this is so good. So notice Moses doesn't... <laughs> Moses frames up this question as if it's somebody else's. This is a great rhetorical tactic. Then Moses asks, well, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name, what should I tell them? Notice he didn't just say, well, what's your name? Yeah, yeah. He makes it somebody else's problem, <laughs> right? He's afraid to ask. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. God replies to Moses, and then now we get the name of God. What was Moses' question? Who am I? Now, God is going to answer that question with his self-revelation of his name. And what is his name? You guys tell me. Verse 14, God replied to Moses, this is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am. Now, that's strange, right? Is that a weird name? Yeah, totally weird name. Okay, but check this out. This, This word that we oftentimes will transliterate as Yahweh, Mm -hmm. it's really strange for us, but it's getting to this idea that God's name is not static, but active. Mm -hmm. It is another way to say, um, he will be being who he will be being, or he will be acting as he will be acting. Another way to say it is, I will always be acting with you. I will always be moving and active. I will be an active agent. You tell them that I will be is another way to say is I'm always with you and I'm always working. You ever heard this song? Even if you can't see it, he's working. You guys ever heard that? He never stops. He never stops. I am being who I will perpetually and eternally be being. He names, oh, this is so great. He names himself the direct active presence of the divine in your life. Ask me this question. How might this text lead us to Jesus? Watch this. Jesus says to his disciples, go into all the world. I'm sending you. What did, what did Yahweh say to Moses? What does Jesus say to his disciples? Go. Go into all the world. Making disciples of all the ethnos. And behold, I will be being with you. I will be with you until when? My direct, active, divine presence will perpetually be active with you even until the end of the age. Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. What's what's Yahweh saying to Moses, to his people? I will perpetually be active among you. Is this not a word for today? 
kind of like this idea, so it's the idea of God, whoever God is, he's going to be that and be that for you. Yeah. Always. Always, yeah. like indefinitely, beyond my capacities to put a termination date on it. Yeah. He will always be being and active, present among us. Oh, have you heard of Christmas? Yes, I have. Okay. <laughs> Christmas is God coming down. Easter is God raising us up. That's the story here. Okay, so yeah. check this out. Um, do you know what they told, uh, what, what, what they were told to name Jesus? Emmanuel. Yep. 20,000 extra credit points. <laughs> Emmanuel. Does anyone know what Emmanuel means? I will be with you. I will be with you perpetually. So I think it's probably time to land the plane. I, I don't know about you. Um, I'm good for another hour. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I want to just notice if I was a, a, a Hebrew hearing this, God's delivering power might seem a little sus. Right? A little suspect. A little bit like, yeah, cool. How are you going to get me out of this mess, out of this darkness, out of this evil? If I'm hearing that message of redemption and hope, I might feel a little bit suspect. And I think even for us today, mm-hmm. there may be some of us who are like, yeah, God perpetually with us, cool. But, but what about with me? And notice that, that God gave Moses a sign that they would come to that mountain and worship. And just for those of us that are Jesus followers, God has given us a sign in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It is the ultimate expression of God being and acting who he will always be being and acting 